Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly podcast on all things mental health. I'm Ellen and I'm Yvette and this week we're chatting to Hazel. She's a mental health campaigner, writer and podcaster. We're going to be chatting to her about non-organic psychosis and the Reality Tourists podcast. So I definitely have psychosis symptoms. I have hallucinations, I have delusions, but the psychiatrists can't decide where I fit. So I don't quite fulfill the requirement, requirements, requirements is the wrong word, isn't it? I don't quite fulfill, fulfill the um, criteria for schizophrenia, I don't quite fulfill it for schizoaffective disorder or for borderline personality disorder or any of the other conditions people normally associate with psychosis. So they don't know where to put me. Yeah, <laughs> it's um, it's a little bit annoying because if I had a box, I'd feel like I could research it and I'd feel maybe more part of the community. So it's a bit outside looking in quite often. I also feel like non-organic is such a strange term. It sounds like, you know, you're not homegrown natural psychosis oh well in a a way it's the opposite um i'm I'm lucky that i studied neuroscience at university so i understand what the terms mean and essentially non-organic means there's no cause so organic psychosis would be things like caused by drugs or caused by brain damage whereas mine they don't know what caused it interesting okay that's a really good kind of helpful comparison because i think most people would be like me and not have any idea what non-organic actually means. It's interesting phrasing, isn't it? And are you? did you say um, that you sort of first saw the term just by, from sort of seeing your notes? Like the, or, or did um, your doctors actually discuss this sort of properly with you? I 
have had a very long journey to diagnosis um, because, what was I say, because I don't fit in any box. So I was 19 when I first sort of started seeing psychiatrists. And to be honest, that was because I had an eating disorder, not because of anything else. But at the time, they noticed other things going on and they thought I had PTSD and disassociation. And they thought that what we now know are hallucinations and stuff were flashbacks. And, you know, that was, oh God, that was when I was 19. I'm 35 now. So it's been quite a long time to get from that point to eventually getting to the point where they started mentioning like hallucinations when I was in my 20s. And then they realized that I was having symptoms that weren't, they realized they'd misdiagnosed me basically. But the actual first time psychosis was mentioned was only a couple of years ago, which is a bit weird really since I've been hearing voices since I was 18 and no one just seemed to pick up on it. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm also autistic, so maybe I just didn't present the way they expected. I'm not really sure. But yeah, it's been a very long journey. But the, yeah, the first time I saw non-organic psychosis was literally in a psychiatrist letter that I managed to access via the NHS app. So no one had said that term to me. Psychosis had been mentioned because, like, they put me on antipsychotics, so they had to explain to some degree why I was on those, I suppose. Can you tell us a bit about what psychosis is like for you? Like, what is the actual experience of psychosis? Uh, so my main thing, I suppose, is auditory hallucinations. I hear, well, when I'm off medication, I hear multiple voices. When I'm on medication, I still hear one. So my main voice is, I call him Nigel. And he sounds like he stood behind me. And when I'm pretty much okay, he will just be like a narrator, just sort of narrating what I'm doing, passing judgment on if I'm doing it right or wrong and stuff like that. But I can pretty much ignore him. When I'm less well, he will tell me to do things. He will tell he, he will tell me things that when I'm well, I know aren't true. But at the time when I'm not well, I don't. I don't know if I explained that very well. I also have delusions, um, mainly around the idea of getting tracked or followed. Like last year, I was convinced the DWP were following me and that they'd put tracking devices inside my body and all this sort of stuff. It was um, it was an unfun time, <laughs> to be to be perfectly honest. With a voice like Nigel, that sounds like it would be just, in a very practical sense, really distracting and quite difficult to kind of get on with your day. How able are you to kind of go okay, I can just kind of ignore this voice that's essentially standing behind me and narrating everything I do. Now that I'm on medication, it's a lot easier. It's like he's still there, but he doesn't pull my focus, if that makes sense. Before I was on medication, though, yeah, he was a massive problem. Um, He'd distract me a lot. He'd tell me to do things that I would then do, the really weird things sometimes, and also things that would would physically harm me. So he was a massive issue for a very long time, to be honest. But I suppose, weirdly, I didn't realise it was wrong, if that makes sense. I thought he was real. So I never really... It was a long time before I even mentioned him to anyone, which might sound a bit strange, I suppose, to many people. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about what happened when you did seek support? Because I know initially you said you were maybe misdiagnosed. Um, Were you given any treatment at that point? Well, I was initially they thought I had PTSD and they thought I had a dissociative disorder. So I was given CAT. Um, I, I, to be honest, there's so many acronyms and so many different therapies. I get them all mixed up. But I had CAT for a while. It didn't really do much. And then I had some CBT. And 
then I just sort of got left for a while, for, for years actually, before eventually I went back and got given CBT again. Basically for 15 years, I've been in and out of mental health services and they've never really seemingly known what to do with me. And quite often it's just a case of different medications being thrown at me, if I'm honest. I've not had all that much actual therapy. And when I have, an awful lot of it's been self-guided, which doesn't always work for, well, anyone, I suppose, but definitely doesn't work for me because I just, I won't do it or I'll misunderstand it. Or Yeah, I need, I need, I need guidance, essentially, but um, I quite often don't get it. What actually is CAT? Because you mentioned it there. Um, and I have to say, I know about CBT, um, Cognitive Behavioural behavior Therapy, which is sort of practical things to challenge your thoughts, isn't it? Um, but what actually is CAT? Uh, it stands for Cognitive Analytical Therapy. To be honest, I think it's very similar. Um, I was like 20 when I had it, so we're talking about 15 years ago, and I can't really remember the details. I remember drawing lots of pictures during it. Um, but yeah, I'm not 100% certain. I'd have to look it up because I don't really remember that well. But that kind of makes sense if it's the same sort of school of thought. It must be really frustrating, though, to have gone through that sort of misdiagnosis and doctors getting it wrong. Um what's sort of working for you now um because it sounds like you're sort of in a much better place now and you actually have an idea <clears throat> of what you're dealing with um what helps you sort of day to day with your mental health well if I'm perfectly honest I think the medication was like the massive turning point for me I mean, my, my mental health team would get annoyed if I said that because they keep going it's not just the medication and it's like yeah but without the medication I won't be able to do the other stuff <laughs> so um I think that's the was the massive turning point was finally getting on the right medication Mm. And did you manage to get it sort of fairly, once they realised that you medication was sort of the best thing, um, did you get sort of the best thing straight away or did you have to try a few first? Uh, no, it definitely wasn't straight away. In fact, the one I'm on now, I've only been on for maybe five months and it, the the change to my life has been incredible, to be perfectly honest. I'm 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 still not quite a functional human being, but I'm closer than I've been in about 15 years but before that I was on a few it was many side effects to be honest um all of them worked to a degree but some of them just had really bad side effects like one of them tried one of them almost fried my pancreas which is fairly serious um the one I'm on now I get really dry mouth and really dry eyes but I can cope with that whereas the other ones they messed up my digestive system they caused like twitches and almost like ticks that I just couldn't function with or they just essentially sedated me which makes living really tricky when you just can't really function at all and are we talking about sort of antipsychotic medication is that right because I know I mean I'm not very good to be honest with all the specifics so it's fine if you don't know but like the ones I'm on are mood stabilizers um but I know you also get specific meds for antipsychosis so is that the ones that you've been sort of going through? Uh, well, I'm currently on olanzapine, which is an antipsychotic. I'm also on sertraline, which is an antidepressant, but I'm on it for anxiety symptoms. And I've also got a PRN, which is a take as and when needed of propanol, which I basically take to prevent panic attacks. And also because um, my psychotic symptoms are sort of made worse by my emotions, especially by stress or panic or anxiety. So we try to keep my anxiety low so that it doesn't trigger anything. So those are the three that I'm currently on. Although I am seeing a psychiatrist in two weeks, so it might change. <laughs> well, 
I'm so glad that you found sort of a combination now that is better for you because um, I think it's kind of so frustrating, isn't it? And also amazing that a lot of these drugs have horrible side effects. I get very sort of frustrated about it. And I did when I was younger, almost the idea that they think, oh, well, this one might sort of, this one could make you gain loads of weight or this one could do this and that. But, oh, that's fine as long as you're better. And it's, yeah, like you're saying with the ticks, I mean, oh, that must be really frustrating because you do have to think about, I guess, the, the wider effects, like if they're, if they are sort of really helping day to day and, you know, helping you, if, if the bigger picture is that things are better. But yeah, it's, it is frustrating with the side effects side of things. I'll admit that the, um, the potential weight gain was a terrifying, because I've been bulimic since I was 18. So the idea of the medication maybe causing weight gain was, I've been very lucky that it hasn't, but that was terrifying. And I can fully understand why that would really scare a lot of people. Yeah, I don't, and I don't think that some health professionals really get that, you know, with, that some people would be really sort of put off by that. Even for kind of antidepressants as well, there's a real kind of weighing up of like, okay, can I put up with, you know, complete loss of sex drive, dry mouth, all of these other issues to just not be, you know, suicidal or experiencing these things. And it's really frustrating that we even have to kind of make that judgment and make that sacrifice, essentially, isn't it? So Hazel, have you found um, any other kind of aspects or any other ways? um, Sorry, have you found any other things sort of helpful in terms of um, supporting your mental health are there any particular sort of groups you found helpful whether it's sort of groups on the internet or um, groups you actually go to or um, I don't know maybe other things that you do um, that help to kind of keep you on an even keel day to day like for me it's things like um, mindfulness I find quite helpful meditation sort of walks spending time with my dog and stuff and um, yeah I just wonder if there's other things like that that you found useful or if there's a community of um, people who've experienced psychosis that you sort of chat to that you found helpful? Well, I, I used to go to a Hearing Voices um, support group once a week on, on Zoom. I've, I don't know why I've stopped going, to be honest, but I did find that very helpful for a while. Oh, that's why they changed facilitators. And for some reason, I decided I didn't like the new facilitator for absolutely no reason. It might have been a paranoia thing. I'm absolutely no logical reason but I stopped going and then it no longer became part of my routine and I'm not being for about two months I really probably should go back so I did find that very useful just trying how to talk to other people who sort of understand understood uh there's also a fairly active um sort of community on Twitter that I've found so um there's like the mental linkness group um which is basically people use art for helping with their um mental health and the, the person who runs that has got schizoaffective disorder. So an awful lot of people who join in happen to have psychosis. So we've all kind of become a little bit of a group. And then myself and the same person who runs that started up our own sort of website of reality tourists, where we interview people who've experienced psychosis and just made a little bit of a, of a resource, I suppose, for people who feel alone so they can see other people have similar experiences. Other than that, I think volunteering's helped me. I, I volunteer with what used to be Time to Change, just now become York Ending Stigma. So I, I do a lot, a lot of volunteering with them where I just sort of speak openly about my experiences. And in some weird way, doing that has helped me be more open with my own health, health professionals, if that makes sense. Because I've already said it once to people who I knew weren't, weren't going to judge me. 
And I think that's helped me be more open with the psychiatrists, which in some ways actually helped the psychiatrists help me more. Because before I was not on purpose, but there was a lot of stuff I wasn't telling them that I really should have been telling them. Can you tell us a bit about Reality Tourists and the podcast specifically? Uh, so um, essentially myself and Jessica, who is um, the other person we've, I run it with, we met on Twitter and we started having conversations about how psych- psych- psychosis just isn't talked about as much as some of the other mental health, well, mental illnesses, I suppose. And that's, we all often feel like we've been left out of the of the mental health conversation. And we wanted to change that. And we were like, well, no one else is doing this. So and we want to see this resource. So let's do it ourselves. So then we created the website, which is basically a WordPress um, site. Jessica runs that and does all the blogs from people, like blog interviews and runs the social media. And I run the podcast side. So I interview people who have experienced psychosis, talk about their experiences, sometimes about a certain aspect of it, like employment or experiencing it at a young age or whatever. And then once a month, we've only just started to be honest, there's only two episodes up, but um, the idea is that once a month I'll publish an episode and eventually it just helps people feel less, less alone, I think, just knowing that other people are out there who have similar experiences. It's also massively helped me myself, to be honest, because there's so many of these so many things I've learned through it. And also I'll be talking to people and they'll say something and I'll be sort of thinking, oh, I do that too. And it just makes you feel a bit, I don't know, less alone. What, so what are your hopes in terms of the podcast and also um, the website? I guess what my question is, what's next? And also, um, yeah, what are your sort of main aims for it next? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. We're probably, it's probably something overly ambitious that we'll never manage because we're both seemingly that type of people. Um, <laughs> but just we just wanted to make a resource for people because both of us, when we first found out what it was that we had, the first thing we did was we went online and tried to find other people's experiences and just couldn't. All the ones that we could find were like the, you know, almost toxic positivity. This person had this thing, and now they're a doctor and they do this and they do that and they've got, I don't know. I'm not going to make a good example, but what I mean is not all of us are going to recover. Not all of us are going to be able to leave our mental illness behind. Not all of us are going to have the life that we thought. I mean, before this all happened, I was I was on track to becoming a surgeon. That's never going to happen now. Um, Jessica was working... I can't remember exactly what it's some sort of high end so, social media content creation marketing thing. That's never going to happen again now. And we've just, we have to accept that we are not these success stories that you often see in the media. We just live with it every day. And we just wanted to share that. We wanted to share what is the reality for the vast majority of people with these conditions. I don't want to, I mean, I know this sounds like there's no hope. But it's not a case of being no hope. We can still do things, but they're going to be different to what we thought they were going to be. They may need adaptations that we didn't think we'd ever need before. We're not less, but things are now different and we have to accept that. And we just wanted to share that reality, I guess, because not everyone can do the amazing magical recovery that you see in the media so often. Yeah, I, I think Ellen might relate to this, but we've. It is quite frustrating, and also kind of as journalists, you do you do almost almost have to kind of like fight against that na- narrative because your editors want these perfect story arcs where you know you sort of find case studies, and it's yeah, 
the the ideal sort of story arc or the, the thing that people seem to want to read is, is exactly that you know somebody goes through a really difficult time um and you know maybe goes to a mental health unit has a terrible time but then gets better and then like you say and then is now I don't know a lawyer or like is has tracked around the world or this sort of stuff and those stories unfortunately because they can be sort of written so straightforwardly and sort of packaged in a neat little bow like that there's so much of you know all of us kind of have that hope of like okay maybe there's a cure and like one day I'll wake up and everything will be better and it's really important to show that like okay maybe you know it might not magically disappear but you can live with it and still you know be a little bit better a little bit happier and still find your own kind of path without necessarily you know being like everyone else or being completely free of any mental illness or any neurodivergency I think it's really important to show those stories that's the thing I suppose it's a balance isn't it like showing some positivity I suppose like having bipolar disorder it kind of it does feel strange though sometimes seeing those stories because sort of for me you'll sort of see it just it's constantly up and down and up and down so the idea that it's sort of you know the story that we see usually is yeah things go down or down and then they're better the end you know whereas for me it's the end and then it's up and down and up and down still I, I guess I can see both sides like and we do want to sort of show that there's there's hope and that yeah people can sort of get better and sort of manage their mental health but I guess like you say for, for some people it won't be their life won't be exactly how they expected I've got nothing against the people who you know do recover and have this positive ending that is brilliant for them absolutely amazing but for those of us who are fairly certain that's probably never going to be for what our life is going to turn out it almost feels like a false hope it almost feels it depends what mood you're in if some days you want to see that positive on other days though it almost feels like it's mocking you it's almost like saying this person could do it so you can too and you just you know in your in inside no you can't I am fairly certain I'm never going to be able to do anything high stress again because that's what triggers me and that rules out so many things that I would love to do I've just had to come to accept that and there's nothing wrong with that it's just acceptance I suppose so I, I don't know I don't I don't mind the positivity sort of articles I just wish it wasn't all positivity articles we just wanted to widen the market and open up the conversation more I suppose Goodbye from mentally yours. So go away, enjoy your day, get on with all your chores from mentally, 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 mentally yours. Mentally yours. Mentally yours. If you've been affected by any of the issues we've been chatting about today, please give the Samaritans a ring on 116123. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and subscribe to our channel and perhaps even go back and listen to some old episodes. We have many of them. Also, you can get in contact with us. We have a lovely Facebook group, which is called Mentally Yours. And we're also on Twitter at MentallyYRS. See you next week.
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.